Welcome to the Abortion Recovery Network podcast. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of An Even Place Virtual Abortion Recovery Ministry. As I began An Even Place in January 2022, I wanted to talk with other abortion recovery ministry leaders to share the vision I had and learn whatever I could about abortion recovery ministry. As I talked to some amazing women who I now call friends, I was surprised to learn they were as eager as I was to hear from other leaders. An idea was birthed to start a podcast of leaders by leaders for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking your dinner, or driving in your car. Linda and I met the fall of 2022. I shared this idea with her and she jumped on board. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. So Sylvia, how are you doing today? You know, it's been a good day so far, just quiet, quietly preparing and um, yeah, just anticipatory. You know, can't, I'll, I can never wait to talk to you ladies because there's always something good that, that God brings out. So good ready one. to go. Yes, me too. Linda, are you ready? I'll go. All right, let's go. All right. So again, Sylvia Blakely is here with us today, and I'm just going to let you tell a quick brief of who you are and what you do. And um, for the listeners who want to hear more, you'll have to go back to part one of Sylvia Blakely and listen to her more full story and learn more about her that way or contact her to risedaughter.org, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sylvia, go ahead. Well, I'm supposed to have an elevator pitch, so here it goes. Uh, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the age of 19, I had an abortion, and it was not something that I had pre-planned, but it was something that I stuck. And so for 20 years, uh, I literally did not think about what I had done. Uh, it took 20 years before I could come before the Lord um, and ask for forgiveness. And of course, he so quickly forgave me that um, I didn't think about some of the other steps that I probably needed to take. And about 20 years later, I ran into God again about this. And he said, Sylvia, it's time for you to take a formal healing course, which I didn't even know existed. So um, for him to know that it would take me 40 years to wander in the wilderness before I could receive healing was uh, important for me because you're not ready until you're ready. And then after uh, I went through Forgiven and Set Free, um, he asked me to start an organization that would be an aftercare organization for women who had been through healing like I had been. And that is now Arise Daughter. And through Arise Daughter, we help women heal through mentoring, uh, training, and also um, service opportunities. And one of the modes that we use that has been very effective so far that God has really expanded has been uh, healing art therapy. And so we get a chance to work with women one-on-one um, -on -one and in small groups to use art to help them heal. And that is one of the unique things I think about Arise Daughter, but you know, he uses each of us uniquely. So I'm just glad to be in his service. So that's us in a nutshell. 
Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, just real quickly, I know we're getting into this book, but I um I want to ask you, what is the some of us know and some of us don't know the impact of art in healing? So if you could mm-hmm. just give us a quick summary, what is the impact of art in healing? So what we believe is that we are uh, all image bearers of God, right? Which means we are uniquely um, made to exemplify some of his characteristics. And one of those characteristics is creativity. Oftentimes uh, in this Western world, we tend to live on one side of our brain, which is the brain that says everything should be logical, linear, uh, and codified and squared off. (laughs) And, And so what we end up doing in a lot of ways is starving the other part of our brain, which allows us the opportunity to go outside the lines, to think uh, creatively, to uh, wonder, to, uh, you know, express ourselves in ways that don't necessarily make sense to other people, but for us, (laughs) they're perfectly fine. And so we embrace that creative side of us and we use our training to help women look at how art can touch some of those places that they've neglected for so long. Mm. And through that art, oh my gosh, the amazing things that come out are just something that you would never predict. Um, So, you know, we just embrace that side of us and we ask the Holy Spirit every time we step into a session to reveal to us what it is we ourselves, our logical minds are choosing to ignore. And I bet sometimes it's a surprise to the to the person that's doing the art um, that it touches something maybe that they don't even expect is there. Linda, every time we just had a session uh, this last Thursday that uh, the our leader was given the theme icebergs, and that's just what Holy Spirit spoke to her, and she used that as a theme to talk about the ten percent of us that we show and the ninety mm. percent of us that we hide. Okay. And what is below the surface? And what are those things, those false words and thoughts that we're standing on? Um, and so that was a that was just a tipping off point for us to start to draw. Uh, and then things came out of that that we weren't expecting, images and and wording and poetry and verses from the Bible. Um, everybody's still talking about it. As a matter of fact, we are still texting each other about that session and showing. Um, each other what it is God is continuing to reveal so it is one of those things that creates beautiful ripples sometimes uh, ripples Um, but yeah they 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 seem to be part of our our healing journey and so again we embrace that that's great thank you for letting us into that little bit of what you guys do. And uh, if anybody's interested, head over to arisedaughter.org or you could contact Sylvia directly at arisedaughter at gmail.com. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Well, we are going to be looking at the Leadership Lessons of Jesus. It is a book by Bob Briner and Ray Pritchard. It is a, a unique book in that it has 74 very short chapters. The chapters are probably a page and a half, maybe two pages long. And um, the book is short, so it's not a tall book. So there's not a lot of words, but it's 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 packed with a bunch of truth and a bunch of really good wisdom. And so we wanted to share that with you. Sylvia and I were going through this book ourselves and decided let's bring it to everybody and um, at least bring the conversation to everybody. So today we're looking at chapter 14, the stuff of leadership. And the verse there is, He also appointed 12 to be with him, to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Mark 3, 14 through 15. 
And the thing that it talks about is um, managers versus leaders versus visionary. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about what that means to you, Sylvia, the, those three, the differences maybe. Yeah. You know, I was, I was kind of laughing out loud as I was looking at this because I thought, you know, we love titles and categories yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and so I thought, well, okay, what, you know, what does this mean to a lot of people? Well, we could, you know, we could look up the definitions of each, of course, but for me, I was thinking, well, you know, you can lead a manager um, and you may have to manage a leader, but it seems to me visionaries just are, you know, we were <laughs> just talking about that creative piece where it, God gives you a vision how you run with it may that may employ your leadership skills, your managerial skills, for example, but vision is a vision, right? So um, not everybody is gifted with vision and not every leader, unfortunately, uh, is gifted with uh, clear visioning. Um, managers oftentimes may not be gifted with clear visioning. So I don't, you know, they're not necessarily interchangeable. They certainly can in, impact and affect each other, but, um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it, it just kind of depends where you're at and, and what God is gifting you. Yeah, with. yeah. I mean, would you say a manager is more of a task-driven, you know, um, one who's kind of getting the operations done and maybe the leader is one who is building into people, developing people, helping people grow to, to their potential? Yeah, I think that's a good general uh, definition. I think leaders uh, tend to... Um, you know, give the broad strokes where managers tend to get into the weeds and the details. Um, sometimes it's important. I think that's going to be your, your, your next topic, but I'll just jump into that. Sometimes it's important for leaders to put on a manager's hat. And I was thinking of Jesus's instructions to feed the 5,000 in Luke 9, uh, 12 through 16. And <laughs> what was so funny to me in this story is that, um, you know, the, the people seemed to be happy. Nobody was complaining. Jesus hadn't said anything else about anything. And then it was the, the disciples that came up to Jesus, the leader, and said, uh, you need to feed these people <laughs> as, as if they were going to, you know, decide how that was all going to happen. And Jesus said, well, no, you feed them. <laughs> and they were like, well, okay, I know you're not being smart, sir, but what are we supposed to do? Go into town and buy all this food was what money? And then he needed to give them the details. So from that standpoint, to me, Jesus went from manage, uh, from leader to manager and said, this is how we're going to do it. And so sometimes as a leader, you do have to do that. If 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 your troops are not understanding the details of, of what the, the uh, assignment is, and that was their assignment, <laughs> then it's okay to, to give those details, you know, and then he put them in charge of the actual feeding. And so you know, I think the hats can go back and forth, Mindy, if that's what you were um, yeah. kind of leading into. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Linda, you led a pregnancy center for 10 years. What, what do you mm -hmm. say about managers and leaders? Vision? Well, out of this is out of this chapter. Well, I, I think a good leader vision is number one. And I think part mm -hmm. of vision is keeping focused. There are so many good things that we could do when we're in ministry. And it's so easy to get sidetracked, um, with, with, um, auxiliary activities, but I think part of, of visionary is having that laser focus um, that keeps you on the main thing and not allows you to get to get uh, sidetracked. And then I was looking at this chapter. She says visionaries anticipate the time when they will not be around 
a time when followers must become leaders themselves. And I think that that as part of the leader role is we are constantly trying to develop the people under us. Um, and some of us that, that are getting pretty gray here, uh, I mean, we are, are recognizing that we're not going to be around forever. And that if this post-abortion ministry is going to go on, that we've got to have a younger generation coming up. And, and he said that that's part of the visionary aspect of this. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for your input. So, um, yeah, how how to think like a leader versus a manager? Hmm. What does that look like? Hmm. I think uh, Linda just, you know, to me really touched on it is that leaders are fully invested. They are invested for the long haul, right? They have a vision um, and they are the ones tasked with making sure that that vision comes to fruition with the help of the Lord. Um, managers tend to think more on the day-to-day, -day, um, you know, execution of it but versus I think the to, big picture to, versus yeah. the big picture yeah mm -hmm. once, once that t is crossed and that i is dotted you know we're moving on to the next thing which of course leaders need because um you know you can just stay in vision mode and and never actually get the work of the of the work done and so both of them are very very um, important well, and that's what I was going to ask. How are they both important? How do they work together? How are they needed? Because I know you said you could go back and forth between hats, but mm -hmm. um, usually there's a leader and there's a manager, you know, when the, when the organization gets big enough. So um, how do they, how do they value each other? How do you, how's that operations look? Mm -hmm. Linda, did you want to touch on that? <laughs> Um, well, I think for most of us in small organizations, we're wearing both hats. <laughs> that's true. Well, and that's true. So how do you, yeah. how do you take off one and um, set aside the other and put one on when you need to, you know? Mm -hmm. hmm. Sylvia yeah. just gave a great example with uh, feeding of the 5,000, okay. but, um, you know, in everyday practical ministry, that would get hard, especially for doers. I think a lot of us are servers and doers and we want to be in the work and i think as a leader taking your hands off the work and letting others do mm. it is the hardest part mm -hmm. so maybe talk about that a little bit yeah i think you know i'll i'll typically come back to jesus's examples because um mm -hmm. they're inerrant you know he he if i think about how he used the uh, the disciples he called he sent he gave authority but then he also exemplified all of the things that he was asking them to do. So in that sense, he's leading and managing at the same time. Um, and I think you have to be willing to, to, show, to show your troops. You're, you know, you are the example for how this ministry should be um, carried out. So be willing to do everything that they are being asked to do. Um, and and they, I think they will more readily follow what it is you're asking them when it comes time for them to take the mantle on themselves. You know, and then I go back to, I'm just going to go back to what I was saying a minute ago, because I think that's really good what you bring up. Um, a minute ago, I was saying, you know, sometimes as leaders, we want to get our hands in and do the work. Not that that's bad, because I think there are times when we need to do that. Just like you were just saying, Je Jesus had to get in there and do the work, but there are times when we need to pull away. And um, 
that, you know, so what value do leaders bring that managers cannot? There's times when we have to wear that leader hat and not the manager hat there because there's a value in that, that being a manager cannot bring, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that's the visionary piece. You know, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He had the whole vision. He carried his vision through his whole ministry. It was the cross, right? It was always the cross. And, um, he knew what he was going to do and that he was the way that the truth, the life, he was the provision. He was the protect. He's all the things that the old Testament said that he was. And now he's coming to show that and display that, you know, in his, in his humanity. Um, so what value do, do leaders bring that managers cannot bring? Not that there's a less value in a manager, but that understanding of the importance of pulling back and saying, okay, I got to take my hands off. Why is that important sometimes to be able to do that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The question is, why is it so hard? <laughs> and I think well, that it comes too. to control. That too. You know, we, <laughs> yes. wanna, yeah. we want to determine the outcome. And uh, sometimes it is hard to, to, I mean, those disciples were clueless. They didn't know how to get this done. And Jesus just <laughs> told them to do it and threw them out there. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of scary because they may do it different than we thought we should do it. Right. Yeah. But, but that's that. the point is what is that mindset to understand why it's so hard, why it's so valuable to pull back and step back mm-hmm. into the leadership role and let those managing manage, you know? Yeah. I think anytime, you know, I'm thinking about uh, parents who are allowing their children to um, learn how to ride a bike for the first time. And, you know, how easy it is to keep them on the training wheels, but we know where they're going, right? They want to be able to ride the bike independently. And so you have to take the training wheels off and you have to let them try. You have mm-hmm. to let them try. Otherwise they will not get to the next stage. If you are, if if this is truly a ministry where you want the people under you to grow, then you have to take the training wheels off and allow them to try. Now there's all kinds of things that are going to come with risks, right? Um, your baby's going to fall off the bike and skin a knee. They're going to cry, but they're going to get up because they see how confident you are in their abilities. And they're going to get back up on that seat and they're going to start to ride again. And they may yet fall, but they're looking at you as the leader. And that's the thing that you bring. I feel like you bring the confidence in the ability of your, of your team, right? They can support each other. But typically, you know, sometimes you're just you're kind of in the trenches and you're just kind of grousing about what how things are going and da da da, or maybe you're living in your doubts or whatever. But it's your leader that says, "No, I believe in you. I believe you can do this, and I'm confident enough to hand you the reins." That's what leaders do. That's a good word. That's a big word. Mm-hmm. I love that word, confidence. It's one that I actually grapple with all the time. You know, as is confidence and. Um, not confidence in self, but confidence in God, because I will always fail, but God will never fail. And so if I have confidence in him, so as a leader, bringing that application in, if I have confidence in God, then I can have confidence in the people who are serving in his ministry, because we're really, just because I've been given a, a role, doesn't make me better. It just makes me the one given the vision. As I, as I look at it pertaining to an even place, right? And the founder, well, what's that really mean? I just been given this big, huge responsibility of this vision that has to take place, but I can't do it by myself. So that's good. It's good. It's good for me. And um, 
great discussion. So how did Jesus, how did his leadership develop his followers? And we're talking about just, um, I just keep thinking about that word confidence. How does that develop people to have confidence in them? Let's dig into that a little bit more. Again, I'm going to go back to Jesus sending out the disciples two by two and, you know, the victories that they, and the successes that they experienced while they were out together. And I'm sure the, you know, the missteps and the miscues, I I do love the the show, The Chosen, specifically Mm -hmm. because of this episode that talks (laughs) about and it talks about it in a very shadow way, kind of, it doesn't exactly, you know, say everything that they did or said, but it shows them out with each other um, and exhorting the way that Jesus exhorted and teaching and healing the way Jesus taught. And you could just see their, their, you know, confidence building as each city that they were tasked to go to, you know, was, was approached and they did it with, you know, without fear. Those kinds of things are small steps. They're small, you know, they're small markers, but they mean a lot when you're building up an organization because people have to have stepping stones of confidence um, to go to the next level. And so, you know, I, I I really truly believe that what he tasked them with, he knew was was in their ability. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given it to them. Because what did he send them with? He sent them with his authority. Mm-hmm. Now, That's how are you not word. gonna? Yeah, mm-hmm. how are you not gonna mm-hmm. succeed if you're working in his authority? But that means you have to have faith in what the authority was that he gave. Right. So yeah, I I feel like he he did that. It looked scary. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I I can because you're right, Mindy. We're <laughs> you know we're we're out here doing these things in ministry. We have no clue. <laughs> but you know we're working under his authority, and we yeah. feel good about that part of it. I love the picture of the chosen because that episode was great. You know they're they're when they're first sitting around and Jesus is introducing the idea <laughs> that they're going around. They're just the look on their face is like we're going to do what, and I'm going to walk with who. I'm going to spend how long with who? <laughs> That's my partner. And then, you know, they go out and and they just show clips of them going out. And it was just kind of fun because you could see on their face the wow. <gasps> Look what just happened, you know, and they're coming back. And you can imagine that it probably was a lot like that. They come back and we know in scripture that they're like, and the demons are subject and people were healed and this was happening and we did this. And Jesus says, do not rejoice in those things. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And I just love that. I love that. Wow. And it's about him. It's about God getting the glory. I think that's the other thing. Mm -hmm. And I know we're going to go there deeper. I know uh, in a little bit, but um, we always have to remember to come back to who gave us the vision and why it is. Yeah, that's a good point. Really good point. So um, how do we plan for a time when, when we're no longer going to be around as the leader? What's the thing that we're looking for? Linda, I know that you left the ministry uh, to become a mom and housewife and do those really valuable, important things that were needed. (laughs) And you raised two amazing boys. So what were the things that you were looking for or were you preparing when you left? I guess it was kind of a sudden thing. So I didn't and was rather distracted with getting married at 40 and all Mm -hmm. of those things. So I had not done a great deal of preparing at that stage. Um, and probably made some mistakes um, because of that. Um, I think someone with the passion and a similar vision, but then you do have to let it go. You know, 
when you've been working in a ministry at that point, I've been there 10 years. It's, it's your baby. You, you grew it. <laughs> and so um, it is a very hard step to uh, release that to someone else. And I guess it comes back to knowing that it's God's. It's God's. It's not ours. It's ne- it was never ours. <laughs> mm. And that he may take it a little different direction. And he has. And, and that's okay. And so I guess it's a process of, of letting go and letting him take it to its next step. I know, um, I think, Mindy, you were telling me or somebody was telling me that um, Linda Cochran, when we, they just recently redid Forgiven and Set Free, um, she said that it, it was her baby, but it's now grown up and it has to go on and live its own life. And I thought that was really powerful for all of us is that as we see God grow things in us um, and then being able to to turn them over and let them go and have the life God meant for them to have. Yeah, it's so true because babies don't stay babies, do they? Right. Huh. That's right. That's good. And times change and things change and we have to be willing to let, let uh, the work adapt to um, what God is doing, a new fresh thing. I guess it's new wineskins. <laughs> and that's what Sylvia was saying, you know, looking for the young new leaders because they're the ones that are going to keep propelling the mission. I mean, Jesus wasn't planning to stay here in his earthly body. So he was preparing them to continue. And you know, the thing that baffles me, and I'll, I'll say this because I'm speaking to myself, is that God uses me. He entrusts me with his message. Hmm. Perfect God entrusts us imperfect human beings with his message, knowing we'll mess it up, knowing we'll make mistakes, knowing we'll get prideful, knowing we'll step in the muck, you know, and take a wrong turn and knowing we'll do these things. And wow. yet he still gives us that call, that mission, that commission. So, you know, actually this whole conversation just leads me to a conclusion that if as leaders, we cannot trust those with us to do um, the aspects of the work and take our hands off of it, we're actually acting in pride. Mm. You know, as I really, really stop and consider everything that we're talking about, that's what we're doing. So there's a balance. I mean, there's a point where we have to be involved and there's a point where we have to step out and then get back involved and step out, but without micromanaging, without, you know, making it about us, Mm -hmm. that's a delicate balance. Yeah. Yeah. So paragraph one, page 42 of this book, if you have this book says leadership is always lacking when it's not invested in followers in a way that empowers them to independently advance the cause. So what are some signs that we're not invested in our followers? What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I, you know, I think if we're not giving them ourselves, you know, I think that the the biggest gift we can give anybody around us that we're connected to uh, in any kind of a Christ-like way is our presence. It's ourselves. It's, it's the, (laughs) it's the best gift, I think, um, which is our time, you know, our energy, um, our commitment. And so if you see, you know, that there are folks that you're kind of shying away from doing any of those things, that would be a little bit of an indication that we're not investing. Um, I think investing is risky, you know, and sometimes we are a little nervous about sharing who we are with our team or, or people who are, you know, 
following us, I guess, in that way. But I think it's essential that we do so. Um, to a certain extent, it, it has, we have to build that bridge and that comes with sharing ourselves. Yeah. That's beautiful. You know, you said investing is risky and um, it's true because people are messy. Even healed people are messy. And you said, we have to build that bridge. And it just makes me think of Jesus. Go back to the cross. The cross is the bridge between us and us and the father, right? It's that fills that gap. And Jesus came from the perfect place it from perfect harmony you know, to chaos and mess and humans and dust and dirt and blood and sweat, you know, and he came down and he filled that gap for us. He, and I mean, what an investment, the ultimate investment. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. He was willing to do life with his disciples and that you, like you just said, doing life with people is messy. It is. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to cost us something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And for virtual people, so virtual ministries such as myself, that gets even trickier um, <laughs> because at some point I have to say Zoom gets, you want to get past the Zoom. You want to get with the people, you know, at some point. And um, so there is some trickiness there and maybe we can have a whole podcast on ideas for do that. We could do that together um, and just talk about that because I know that there are others that are starting some virtual ministries and that want to get more into that. And so how do we stay connected? How do we get together? I mean, Linda and I and Michelle, another leader with us, we got together um, a couple months ago and had lunch. That was nice. It was so nice. Wasn't it? It's was so to different. Be in person. Yes. I'm so old school. Yes. It's hard not to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I love, I mean, I love virtual. I love the convenience of it and the casualness of it, you know, and just the, the relaxing part of it, you know, you're not rushing to get anywhere, but, but there is a challenge. So maybe we can do that. Yeah. All right. Well, we are at the end of our time. Uh, so thank you for joining us and join us again. When we talk to Sylvia about chapter 15, painful attacks. <laughs>